0: Today, we are in Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Oh, yeah, look at all these people. It's all right. It's Super Bowl. We're still here. Love it. Love it. All right, everybody, I got a story for you. It is, uh, since it's a football day for many of us, let me start with a football story. There's a great little book called Season of Life, and it's a fascinating story about the way that this coach, uh, Francis, what's his name? I forget his name, actually. Francis, they call him Biff, like from, like, back to the future. <laughs> Francis Pogi. Okay, he is the Gilman football coach coach, head of the program, imagine this guy, six foot three, 300 pounds, the, the, he, you know he 's got the sleeves cut off, massive arms just boom walks out it 's the heat of August, getting all the players ready. This is before they kind of divide up into varsity and jv and he 's given him a speech a speech he's given the, he gives his kids before practices and before games. It is the ethos, the culture, the purpose of their program and he looks at the kids and i want to read this to you if I can do this without my glasses and he launches in and he Points to all the coaches next to him and looking at the kids, he says, What is our job? But imagine a 300 foot, six foot three guy with no sleeves shouting at you, What is our job? You know, and all the kids are like, The kids who are veterans um, look at him and they shout back to love us. Most of the boys who had been in the program understood what he was meaning and they shouted back, Love us. The older boys, who had already been through this routine more than enough times to know the proper answer, and the younger boys, new to the Gilman football, would soon catch on. And then big six-foot-three, 300-pound Biff shouts, what is your job? Think about this right before they go on the field. What is their job? To make the hardest tackle, to throw the winning throw. You know, you can just come up with all kinds of things about what your job is. Maybe they think, oh, I'm a tight end or, oh, I'm a wide receiver. This is my job. But listen to what they say. What is your job? Biff shot back to love each other, the boys responded. This is so cool. He goes, I don't care if you're big or small, huge muscles or no muscles. Never even played football or star of the team. I don't care about any of that stuff, right? Biff went on to tell the boys who sat in the grass while he spoke, "If you're here, then you're one of us, and we love you. Simple as that." Come on now, isn't that amazing story? This, it's a powerful book, and it's the way it's a testimony of how this guy uses football as a means by which to invest in develop and disciple these kids lives I don't know about you but so often I did that as a coach when I was coaching my kids my own kids you know you get caught up in the wind you get caught up in how well everyone's playing are they doing what I coach them to do and you lose sight of the bigger picture and we can sometimes do that with life do you know what I mean you know what I mean? What is your job when you wake up in the morning? It is to return my emails. You know, it's to turn my homework in. It is to wash the dishes. Whatever you know it depends on what day of the week we're talking about. On Saturday morning or Friday morning, it's for me. It's washing the dishes. We've all kind of mixed messages about what our job is to get my kids to school on time. Well, listen um, to Jesus's words. I want to read to you guys um, the verse for our the opening verse to in, get us into our message. We just read about this community in Acts. Think of them like a team. This whole story we just read about the early church gathering together with this purpose. Now listen to what Jesus says in John 13. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. I just love how this coach took that and he's like, yeah, that's true. Not just 2000 years ago, you know, in Israel, that's true right now for me and for us together on this high school football team. How much more true is that for us right here, right now, in every area of our life? Now, that command that Jesus issued in that moment ignited a radical movement of people that swept through the Roman empire and it turned the world upside down. I think the thought is if our purpose and our job is to love each other, that team is going to be a losing team. No, oh, well, you got to read the book. Got to read the book. But here Jesus ignites a movement of people who are living their lives from a new motivational source in their life. Because of their ongoing experience of God's love for them, they were inspired, they were compelled, and they were propelled outward to love one another in a way that people had never seen before. And that's what we see in Acts 2. And to go back to the message I did a couple weeks ago, I don't know if you guys remember, but I had this line to quote myself. Forgive me. We give the love we receive. We give the love we receive. Think about that for a minute. So you could play with that numerous ways. The love that you're giving says something about the love you did receive as a child, maybe from your family. But more importantly, it says something about the love that we are enjoying and experiencing with God. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, love one another as I have loved you. He doesn't say, love one another so that I can love you and put up with you. (laughs) Thank God. Thank God that somewhere there is someone who doesn't need you to love you, doesn't need you to be perfect, doesn't need you to have it figured out, doesn't need you to have the answers, doesn't need you to even love them. And that person is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in flesh, who came to show you what your job is on earth. It is to know that your Father in Heaven loves you, and to know that you are here to love the people that God has put in your life. That is your job. Your job more than to be an engineer, more than to be a teacher, get this, even more than to be a mother, is to love those people in your home and the people that God has put around you, because all those other jobs can sometimes obscure what we're really about, what we're here to do. It's not just about being on time and, getting, and taking a shower, although for us as parents, if we could just get our kids to do that, we'd be thrilled. But it's bigger than that. The quality of the love that was going on in this community was so attractive that it won the hearts of people who just weeks earlier had been shouting, crucify Jesus. Think about that. With no changes in any laws, no changes in any policies, with no political, social, or military power, no financial power, these people changed that area, that community in the world by their commitment, by their single-minded focus around the job of the Father to love them and their job to love one another. It was so attractive daily. People were being added to their community. So I want to ask you this. How would you describe the quality of the love of the community that we just read about? Take a minute, real quick, 10 seconds. Share one thing that you would, way you would describe the love that this community that we just read about had for one another in Acts. Go ahead and share one descriptor. Come on, real quick. Come on now. Talk to your spouse. They're going to really appreciate it. Talk to a neighbor. One quality, one quality. I do this all the time. I know it's annoying. Got to get you participating, get you involved. Yeah, unconditional. Well, you see that. um, How do you see unconditional love with them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were always loving each other. That's right. Even to the point of giving up their things. Even if it meant, I'm going to give up my things to help you because you don't have what you need. Whoa. Just so you know, I love to get you guys talking to each other because it gets you guys participating. And we're not just here to hear about Jesus. We're here to learn and become like Jesus. And that requires us to engage and do something. And uh, we're here to be learners. And uh, so it's just just a silly little way to get you remembering that. Today we're going to focus on two specific qualities of the love that this community had. And it goes back to the values that we as a church are trying to live by. So you understand these values that we emphasize where they come from. They come from this, one, this passage among others. We're going to talk about reliability and generosity and look at the quality of the love that they had for each other that it made them reliable to one another and it made them generous to one another. There we go. Reliability, generosity. Let's start with reliability. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves... Yep, there it is. Got it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And in verse 46, it says this, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Now, I want to get nerd on you. I want to just nerd out and look at two words in the Greek on those words. I don't speak Greek, but I have a great software. It's called Logos. If, you love, if you're a Bible nerd, go for it. Logos, L-O-G-O-S. It even tells you how to pronounce these words as you will see in a minute. Okay, these two words, devoted and continued. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and then later, and they, every day they continued to meet together. Those two words in the Greek are the exact same word. It is the word proskatereos. Can you say that? Yeah, yeah, so I only know how to pronounce that because my Bible, if you click on this little icon, it goes proskatereos. So I had to practice it five times. You did it much better than me. Proscatereos, This is what it means right here. Ready? Uh, it means to stand steady, to persevere, to attend constantly, to spend time in, to, I love this one, to persist obstinately. Now, these early believers could rely on one another to show up, and that's what this is about. Their reliability to one another was their commitment to show up unconditionally, no matter what it meant. To be physically, to be there with one another and for one another. And at this time, to show up put their lives at risk, right? They could be arrested and persecuted. Because remember, the story we just read about Acts 2 is only weeks after Jesus himself was crucified. There was a great risk in coming together. And I wanted to say, look at how many times in the passage the word together shows up. Anyone take a shot? How many times does it show up there? Three times. It just shows up again and again and again. There was something significant about the way they loved each other that manifested in their readiness, the reliability of their readiness to show up and physically be together. Now listen, what does that mean about reliability? Reliability is about showing up consistently, persistently, and obstinately. I love obstinance. Obstinance can be a good and a bad thing, right? You know, you meet an obstinate person, they, will, they are just stubborn and will not change their mind when we know they should. But there's a good obstinance, a good stubbornness. I am clinging to My wife and my kids, no matter how many dishes I have to wash or toilets I have to plunge, no matter how tired I am or maybe the fun things I can't do in a certain day, I am obstinately sticking to my family. Come on now. That's what we're talking about with this early community. They were obstinately sticking to one another. And that's so important because there are forces of resistance that want to keep us from coming together. Have you ever felt those forces? It generally is not going to be someone showing up at your front door saying, you cannot go to church today. Boom. I am going to, you're going to have to wrestle me. You're going to have to fight me to get to church today. You know, this that, is just, just, just not often happen. We don't, at least I don't think so. <laughs> but throughout the world today, believers are facing these forces of resistance. Let me name a few. Persecution. Temptation, distraction, and discouragement. Can you recognize any oh come on now? Can we say Satan? Can you recognize any of these? Have you ever felt any of these in your own life? I'll read them again. See if you can find yourself in this. Ready? Persecution, temptation, distraction, or discouragement. I think we can get discouraged. Oh my gosh. I don't know anybody. Why do I even bother going to church anyways? Or how about this? Temptation. Oh my gosh, this bed feels so comfortable right now. I'll tell you, when I got the windows open, and I, I sleep with two fans on a ceiling fan and a, and, a, and a fan on the ground. My wife can't stand it, but she's put up with me. And, it, and I wake up in the morning, and there, if there's a chill in the room, and I'm under those warm covers, oh, I just love it, and I just want to stay right there. Right there. temptation? Or how about distraction? There's just so many things going on in our lives. and That's a major one for us. Just so many fun things we can do inside of California, right? You in some parts of the world, it's frozen over, it's freezing. There is nothing to do. We might as well go to church. Might as well. There is like, what are we going to do for families? Stay in the house all day with these rugrats? No way. We're going out of the house. We're getting out of here. Church, please save me. But here it's like I mean, look, you, I have my my sister lives in Washington D.C. She can't even believe what we're getting right now. It's like you look outside; it's like it might as well be July. We're going; it's summertime, baby. And we're gonna go out. We go cycling. We're gonna get our you know I don't know. We're gonna have our fun. We're gonna go surf. We're gonna go hang. You know. So we got we got distractions. But listen, every time we show up, we are making the love of this community stronger. Every, I, I want to put this in very direct terms. Every time you show up, you are making the love of this community stronger. Now, that's not just a ploy to motivate you to come to church, to sell the show. I'm trying to show you that as far back as the church goes, right here to Acts, the commitment to be together was not just about, oh, we got to make sure we keep the lights on at church. It's about keeping the fire on in one another's hearts every time you show up and you are here, you're presenting yourself to God to use you to encourage others, and just your presence is encouraging. Can you imagine if you showed up today? Okay, you two guys in the black hat and the red shirt. Can you imagine you? Yeah, yeah, you guys right there. What's up? What's up? What's your name, bro, in the black hat? What's your name? What's Spencer? What's up, Spencer? Can you imagine, Spencer, you roll in, you're coming to church, and all of a sudden there's nobody in the room, just me and you, I come up here, I'm like, all right, everybody, I guess it's just us. Hey, you know, it would just be awkward. You might like, can I sneak out when he looks down at his notes? <laughs> I'm gonna run for it. <laughs> you know. But you guys look out of this whole room and you're like, you know what? I'm not alone. I'm walking with Christ, I'm not the only one. There's other people here. Listen, the reason we can have this kind of love for each other to show up is because that's the way that Jesus loves us. Let me show you the scripture. We love one another the way we are loved. And this is how God loves us. So I want to show you this scripture, Matthew 28, 19. Can we go to the next slide? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And what? And surely, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Jesus doesn't love us and just send us off to go do the best we can, right? He continues with us through the Holy Spirit. He is with you always, and when you guys show up, we are a living sign to one another that God is the one who will always show up for me. The physical presence that we give as a gift to one another is the gift of reminding each other that God is the one who will show up for me. He is with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me, because sometimes we come in here on a Sunday morning, and we're not as happy as we look on the surface. We're beat up. We're discouraged. We're walking through the dark valley, the shadow of death, and being here, being surrounded by other people who are singing and worshiping God, it just lifts our spirits. It strengthens us, and you being here is strengthening everyone's hearts this morning. Come on now. That's why we do this. Every time you show up, you're choosing to be a reliable person, and you are a sign of Jesus' reliable presence in this community. All right. Let's go on to the next point: generosity. Well, application. Well, I'll come back to that. Maybe I'll later. I don't want to move on. Generosity. Verse forty-four. It's reliability. They showed up. Generosity. Verse forty-four. And all the believers were together. There it is again. And had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That is so much more than showing up and sitting in a chair and leaving, right? So you've got to show up. That's important, but there's more than just showing up. And this is such an amazing picture of the way the community loved each other. I want to ask you guys to do this. Turn and share what did generosity look like in this community, one descriptor, of what generosity looked like for these guys. Will you just turn, share real quick, 15 seconds. One thing, come on. Make your voice heard, share one thing. All right, you got something? All right, you people in the tent better be sharing because I have a new camera in here and I can see you. (laughs) I can see you in the white shirt. No, I can't really, no. (laughs) Hey, tent people. What's up, chapel people? I'm sure you're sharing. All right, listen. um, Because this community showed up, they were able to grow up into Jesus's generosity. you got to show up to grow up. And that's just really true about our faith. It starts as something really simple that you can do. It's, it's not heroic or supernatural to show up and be here, to show up to your small group, to show up to your accountability group, to show up in those relationships that God has put in your life. To, be, to show up is not the supernatural thing, but when you show up, supernatural things can happen, and God grows you up by getting around the people of God, and that begins to shape and change you as a person. When I was asked, What is the number one thing you have done to grow your faith and to maintain your level of passion for 30 years of Christian living? Because I didn't become, I wasn't a believer um, all my whole life, but when I became a believer, there was something early on that Jesus taught me that has been with me ever since I was in high school. No matter where I go, what I am doing, I am praying and asking God and seeking the fellowship of other believers to encourage my heart. And I've never lived without it. I've gone for a year where I didn't have any friends in different situations, but in time, God brought them to me. Come on now. We need those relationships. But they had to grow up into generosity. Believe me, either now or later, we are going to need something that God is going to only give to us through someone in this room. Think about this for a minute. There's going to come a time when you are going to need something, and you're going to be praying and asking God, God, I need your help And God's answer is not going to be something just miraculously appearing out of the sky and dropping on your house. It's going to come through someone in this room. We have stories, i got stories after stories of people going through some of the darkest moments in their life and those needs being supplied by this community. People going through battles with cancer. People's Rent and mortgages being paid by this church. Meals being dropped off. People showing up and praying for families. I know one woman came here. She didn't have a car. Her car broke down. She couldn't afford a new car. I don't even know how it got out. I don't even know. It's just like God thing. She just showed up. Somehow someone found out and that week someone donated a car to her. I don't know. But when we show up, it's in this place that God is going to want to meet some of those needs in our life. Believe me, God has given you something so that you can be his answer to someone else's prayer. Ephesians 4, 7. Look at this scripture. I love this. However, he has given each one of us. Okay, we're going to, let's just stand up and read this out loud. Come on. This is so good. I want you to own this. Instead of us, let's say me let's say, however, he has given me a special gift. Ready? Let's read together. However, he has given me a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Stay standing. Do you know that you've been given gifts from God? Some of those gifts are spiritual. You have the gift of faith, encouragement. You have the gift of giving. Others of us have gifts. Um, We have financial gifts. We have relational gifts. Some of us are just bubbling with personality. We have so much charisma, we don't know what to do with it. And if we don't let God use it for the sake of others, we're going to drive our family crazy. And so God's given that gift to us, not to just keep it all to ourselves, but to share. Some of us have got, you know, we've got, we got biceps. We've got some muscle. And God wants to use us and our strength to help other people lift the burdens they can't lift. What gifts has God given you? I want you to just take a moment. I'm going to give us a moment of reflection. What gifts has God given you to bring to this community? What gifts? Let's just close our eyes for a moment. Lord, we pray that right now, this week, bring to mind the gifts. Help us to see the gifts you've given us, things that we took for granted, that we thought were our achievements are really your gifts, so that we could be your answer someone's prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. You can see it. Listen, this is the gift of friendship. Some guy a couple weeks ago came to church and someone just walked up, didn't even know him, and just said, can I pray for you? Would you mind if I just prayed for you? I, have a, I feel like God wants me to pray a blessing over you. Sure. This is like a, fifth, no, yeah, late 40s, early 50s, early 50s, this person's like in their 20s. You'd think, oh, no way, are they gonna connect? This person lays down a prayer blessing, just wrecked this guy, spoke to his heart. Sometimes the gift that we have is the gift of employment. We have a job opening. I know somebody here who needed a job, and boom, they got a job through a contact here. It could be wisdom, guidance, friendship. All right, hey, one way you could be a part of being generous and bringing your gift is a gift of just time and effort. Let's go to the slide with the, uh, the one meal. How about this? Now, the reason why we go through these values is so you understand why we're doing what we do. And you understand the reason behind it. The re- <laughs> <laughs> do we have that slide up there? I thought we did put it up there. Poor, poor Nate's up there going, oh my gosh, now I'm on the spot. No, it's like a, the, the one meal slide. You could just use the one we used earlier. Uh, the February 27th event? Mm. Well, I just announced it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're, okay, okay. So you see this? You see all these people? Like, just, look. I mean, look, look at, I don't know. She's probably like 16. You know, I, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> but, you, know, you see these people up here? They're all up here, all ages. It doesn't matter what their gifts or abilities are. They're up there. This is after a service. And they're just using their time. There's families out there making meals, and we provided just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of meals for, for families all over the world. It might be the gift of your time and your effort. And the reason why we do this is to spur on the gift of generosity in you. Really. Really. I mean, I want you to know why we do those things. It is... So when you come here, you are growing up into the generosity of Christ because I will stand before Jesus and be held accountable to my shepherding and leadership over this community. Did I cultivate the generosity? Did you cultivate my generosity in my people, Ryan? Did you give them opportunity to display my generosity? Come on. That's why we do it. So that's coming. That's an opportunity. Take it. February 27th. But look, we come together not just to learn about Jesus, but become more like him. Look at this quote. I love this quote. This is so powerful. Let's go to that quote by David Brooks. Moral improvement occurs most reliably when the heart is warmed, as opposed to like being threatened or cajoled or like manipulated or pressured when warmed. When we come into contact with people we admire and love, and we unconsciously bend our lives to mimic theirs. Isn't that a beautiful statement? Isn't that what you see in Acts? They are loving each other. Their their generosity is overflowing from the generosity of Jesus in their life, and nonbelievers are like, whoa, this is what you guys are about? I want to be a part of that. They're not getting threatened or scared into the kingdom. They are being warmed into the kingdom. And it was that love that was going on through generosity in that community that just drew people to want to be a part of what God was doing in that community. I remember one time we were praying for a young woman to be healed. And as we were praying for her, in a room of like 300 students, she had cancer, and we said, hey, someone just said, uh, she just started crying in the middle of service, and someone said, oh, because she's got cancer, sophomore at UCSD. And we said, let's just give our time and our prayers to this young woman. Let's pray for her. Right now, I just stopped the sermon. Let's pray for her. And I was a little bit of a risk. Maybe she'd feel uncomfortable. She was surrounded by people. We were praying over this young woman. And people were crying and weeping as they were praying over their friend, not because there was some kind of weird spiritual moment, but because people's hearts were broken with God's love for her. And after the, after the gathering, these non-Christian students were hanging out in the back, and I said, hey, I hope we didn't make you uncomfortable. And you know what they said? They said, we have never been in a place where we felt so much love before ever. We're coming back. In that moment, it wasn't money. It was the giving of our hearts to this friend to pray for her right there that just said, whoa, God's presence is here. When we come into contact with a generous person, it warms our hearts and it bends our lives to mimic theirs. Does that make sense? And that can't be more true than it is with Jesus. When you experience his generosity towards you, He doesn't shame you into the kingdom. He doesn't guilt you to back to God. It warms your heart back to Him. When I was coming to faith, I had a friend who was witnessing to me. And I have to admit, there came to a moment where I realized that if I died, I would not be right with God and I might spend eternity without God. That was a little bit of a, ooh, gut check. I wasn't sure. Am I right with God? I don't know. I don't know what he thinks of me, and if I stood before God, I don't know how he would feel about me. That got my attention, but there was a night when I was laying in my bed and I was putting this boring Christian music on to kind of help me think about God, and this song comes on. God, you're so good to me. You've always been so good. You remember Terry Clark? He'd be on the piano. You've always been so good to me. And in that moment, all these, it was like a God moment. These memories of good things in my life started hitting me. And God just saying, that was me. That was me. That was me. I I don't know how to explain it. It just wrecked me. I just got on my knees junior in high school and just started sobbing. Not because of how guilty I felt, but because of God's love just pouring into me through his generosity in my life. I'm going to invite the band to come out. As the band comes out, listen. God's generosity warms our hearts and bends us toward him and changes us from the inside out. Now, we like to give people opportunities to experience that generosity. I want to read to you this scripture. Listen to this generosity of God. Second Corinthians 8 9 you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ though. He was rich what? Yet for your sakes he became poor So that by his poverty he could make you Rich God wants to enrich your life. He doesn't want to impoverish it. He wants to enrich it and He enriches it by making you like him. Not by shaming you, but by warming your heart with his generous grace that he loves you. He forgives all your sin. There's nothing that can stand between you and God. And he has paid the penalty for that relationship to be possible. He has taken the weight of all your sin on the cross. He took that debt. So like in a marriage, my debt became my wife's and her surplus in her accounts became mine your debts becomes christ's and his surplus becomes yours so that you can live as generously as he did because that's what you were made for and that's why you're here so in a moment i want to give you a chance if you've never opened your heart to god's love i want to give you a chance to do that but let's take a moment. let's go to this song, and just ask yourself: What is keeping you from allowing God's love through Jesus Christ take hold of your life? When I gave my life to Jesus, his generosity towards me started showing up in really weird ways. I remember I started wearing this I made a white t-shirt and I wrote ask me about Jesus and everywhere I went I just wanted people to know like man this is this is so much bigger than what I, th- I thought it was about going to boring Bible studies and being bored out of your mind and no this is about encountering a living God who loves you so freely nothing in this world can compare to it. And I wanted everybody to know. I would walk around the mall and go places with this t-shirt. Because I was just wanted people to know how God's love, how real it is. I wanted to share my faith. The other thing I started doing was, I just found this weird impulse to start sharing my things. I was hanging out with this homeless guy, and he didn't have shoes, and I don't know, I just wanted to give him my shoes. I had, I had, was, We were in Mexico, I had no idea where I was going to get shoes from, but it was like, kind of like this almost impulsive thing coming out of a place that was not familiar to me. But when you allow the generosity of God into your life, it, it starts to overflow. You literally have to work to keep it in. And that's what we see in this community, opening their hearts to a generous God who has taken all of our sin that we might live in the joy of his generosity and the knowledge of his reliability to be with us forever. Maybe you have never opened your heart to his love and you would like to do that. Well, we like to give people chances to do that. And if you are here and you've never done that, or you would like to just, you need to rededicate your life to that love. You've gotten away from it. You've gotten out of touch with it. And you need a fresh feeling of the love of God in your life to renew you, to strengthen you. I want to invite you, wherever you're sitting right now, you could just stand up. And as you stand, it says in the Bible, if you will acknowledge me before others, I will acknowledge you before my Father and all the angels. And as you stand up, you're acknowledging you need God. It's your way of saying, God, I need you I want you in my life and we're not going to, we're going to, we're going to applaud. We're going to cheer for you. We're not going to like try to sell you, you know, sell you a timeshare. We are just going to celebrate with you what God is doing in your life. But I am going to ask you to pray with me for a brief moment. So if that's you, wherever you're sitting, you can just take a stand. And if you're think, as you're thinking about it, because I know I've been there and maybe you're a little nervous, a little uncomfortable. Some of you may not be ready to stand, but in your notes, there's a QR code. Look at your notes. You can scan that QR code. You can scan that thing and get connected, and we'll help you grow in your faith. We'll help you understand how to just open your life to Jesus. You can come up, and you can pray with Kelly and with Buzz. They're ready to pray with you. You can come up and pray with them. You can tell a friend today, you know what? I wasn't ready to stand today, but I want to open my life to God's love and that begins by receiving Jesus as your leader and savior but hey maybe some of you are ready to go big and you want to go for it and you want to stand today I'm going to pray for you is there anybody here that would like to do that and we'll bless you if you want to make a first time decision or recommit we'll bless you come on bro woo yeah come on Come on. Come on, bro. And if you came with these guys, stand with them. If you're with them, stand with them. Anybody else? This is not between you and me or our church. It's between you and God. Anybody else want to have that moment with the Lord? Come on now. Come on. Come on. All right. Come on. That every day people are being added to their number, and so every week we want to give people chances to just experience God's love for them. As you stand publicly, I want you to remember that 2,000 years ago Christ stood for you publicly, He took His stand for you on the cross, and He wasn't ashamed to call you His son, His daughter. And we stand so that we can be seen by each other and we can see so that we can embrace one another as a part of this community. So you are no longer just in the shadows, you are with us and one of us now. And our job, what's our job, church? You remember the the drill? I'm gonna gonna only stand for a couple more seconds, but listen. What is our job is to love them. What's our job to these ones that are standing? And what's our job to one another? Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for these dear ones. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life. Your forgiveness for all my sin. I receive your love your generosity, and your grace for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And graft me. Yep, graft. Graft me into this community, which is my new family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And if you stood up in the tent or the chapel, we got pastors who are at the front who will be ready to pray with you. Come on, my man. Come on. Yeah. Come on, brother. Woo! Look at this is Alright everybody. If you need prayer. If you want to come into faith, but you didn't want to stand, come up here. If you just need a renewing of your faith for whatever reason, come with us pray for you. But I'm going to be praying with that guy after service. (laughs) God bless you guys. Have a great week. See you next week.